Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right, we are starting our family series. This is not a football series, but this is our family series. And um, we're going to talk a little bit how we, are, we can nurture and develop our families. And uh, in this contemporary culture that we live in, we often lose sight of the priority and the importance of maintaining our families. And we understand that a family is more than just that small unit of a wife and kids that have children. There's, it goes on, our extended family, and all of that is important. So, so we get so focused on other things around us that we don't always take care of our family relationships. And the family series that we're starting identifies some, some different issues that today's families uh, face, and we offer some solid biblical support uh, to be able to understand some of these principles that God gives us so that we can apply them in our families and, and see some good things. Now, we may not be able to correct everything in our families in one day, right? It's just not going to happen. And sometimes uh, we, uh, something we can do is to make a choice that we will change the atmosphere of our homes. Uh, and that takes, it takes a while. And that choice to change the atmosphere will help us to map a path towards a thriving family. Now, families have many different dynamics. Uh, Our families are made up of individuals who have grown and learned how to live in our own particular family culture. Because all of our families have different cultures in them, but some have grown up in a more than one family culture. And, And the great thing is that each of us can have the opportunity to see positive change in our personal lives and then in our families. For this to happen, we need to fully engage in the principles of God's Word. And if we allow God's Word to change how we live as individuals, then we understand that we we, uh, can allow Him to help us relate to others in our own families. It's here that we can say, God can change your family. So remember that we're called to live uh, by godly principles, not only by what some may call the letter of the law or the rule of the scripture. Uh, what I mean is that many don't understand this, so they try to live by the letter of the word and not the spirit of what God is saying. And Jesus himself, time and time again, dealt with this as he comes onto the scene, and he had to help people obtain the right focus Family stories are not always easy stories, but they relate to individuals because we all have some kind of family one way or the other, even if our family is not our blood relatives. I I was looking through my family history on one side of my family some uh, recent days, recent months, and uh, I noticed uh, some of the different people back in the 1800s who actually took on some kids that weren't their own. They didn't adopt them, but they took them on and help them and raise them. And you see just throughout the years how people do those kind of things. And uh, let's look at Jesus for a moment here. Jesus, in one setting he was in, he actually came into the temple. And he is sitting down to teach people. He's taking some time. And, 
And while he's there, a bunch of leaders came in. They interrupted his class. They're all mad. They're all upset. And, and they, they have this lady in tow with, behind them. And, and uh, they, they uh, said she was caught in the sin of adultery. And so they put her in front of the crowd. Basically, they're interrupting his class and putting her in, in front of the crowd there. And, and they were really trying to trap Jesus. That was more of their concern than anything. And so the sad thing is, is they, did, they didn't really care about this woman. Of course, they knew what the Old Testament law said, and they said that she was supposed to be stoned for her actions, and that was the punishment uh, at that time, that, and that was true. But the other person should have been there too. So the man may have gotten away, or maybe they gave him the old nod that boys will be boys, you know, and, uh, but that would have been wrong. But Jesus writes on the ground, and maybe he listed some sins. We don't know exactly what he, does, what he writes down there. And, and then he said, all right, let the one, uh, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Everyone that accused her ends up leaving uh, there. And they too had sinned. They knew it. They had made mistakes. And it, it was, if it was that sin or something else, we don't know. And so one way or the other, they left. And Jesus didn't leave her there. He really didn't, didn't let her off the hook either. She was uh, going to be punished. She wasn't going to be punished, actually. And he let her off in that fashion. But then he told her these words, and he said, go and sin no more. And so he extended grace to her, but on top of that, he told her to change her actions, and we understand that's basically just repentance. So the point is here for us is that we can, do, we can be so demanding of others, expecting them to do what uh, they should be doing that we forget or don't want to have to deal with or correct our own self in this life. So we need to learn to be able to extend grace to others, especially when that other person is in our family, right? But in families, we tend to do something. We tend to take family members uh, for granted. And uh, we have to be careful about that. And so let's look at some of these biblical principles about family this morning. The first principle we have here uh, is God created family and cares about family. Over in, Gen over in Genesis, we find it there that a family is important to God. Family was part of the greatest part of his creation. And, and Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says this, the, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make uh, I will make a helper suitable for him. So it started here that it's, it's, uh, it's most basic form, and God's created Adam. He's decided that he decided he didn't want to leave him uh, to be all by himself with a bunch of oak trees. Now, it's not that oak trees are bad. You can make nice lumber out of them. You can sit under their shade for a while. They don't really, they don't really respond very well when you talk to them. We've got an oak tree in our backyard. Every, no, never mind. I don't talk to my oak tree. <laughs> And then he didn't leave him with the elephants. He could have left him with the elephants, but maybe they would have got upset after a while, wondered why this guy is yelling at them and talking to them, and they probably would have charged him or stomped on him. I don't know what they'd have done. So God decided that he needed to do something else, and he wanted to put a tangible person in Adam's life. So verse 15 says that God took 
the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. I'm not sure if God uh, thought that Adam wasn't that great at gardening and needed a wife with a green thumb. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, it makes you wonder. And then we find in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 to 24, it says this. Then the Lord, made, uh, the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, have, have you ever wondered, did, did God use chloroform? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. We know that the scripture says he put, uh, he put Adam into a deep sleep when this take, take, took place. And so God cared enough that he wanted Adam to have somebody besides all the animals and plants. And he, he wanted to build a family. And he, wanted, he wants the family to care about family. This was part of God's design from the very beginning. It is a principle that we should never forget. We all face challenges among family. doesn't matter who we are, what our background. It didn't take long before this first man and wife together made the first major mistake that sent all of our family spiraling into sin. It wasn't God's design for Adam and Eve to, to sin, but I'm sure that he knew it was going to happen before it took place. But love cares enough to take that kind of chance. He cares enough. And God would have known that once the family was formed, problems would arise. That's just the way it is. There, there's not likely a person here that could honestly say that being part of a family is easy without, without problems. If a person says that, likely they have another problem. We call that lying. And so just say, <laughs> just say it. There are a couple steamboats that they uh, left Memphis and they were headed down to New Orleans. As, as they're heading on the way, they, were, uh, they decided, you know, a little friendly competition and they start, start rolling hard and they challenge a race. And, and, and uh, they're burning their coal, their steamers, and so they're floating down the boat, some, or floating down the river. Some of you may have heard this before from me. They're floating down, going as fast as they can. They're really pouring the steam to it. And, and they start realizing one, one of the ships or one of the boats that they didn't really have enough coal to power this thing. And so one of the guys like, hey, I've got an idea. And he goes and he finds some wooden crates and all the cargo stuff they have. What an awesome idea. And he busts it up and he starts throwing it into the furnaces to fire up that old boiler to make it really hot, to make it really fast. And so they're going, they're pushing hard and they're just running down the river to make it to New Orleans. And uh, they make it all right, and, and they, they get to that place, but the, the sad thing, could you imagine UPS doing that with your packages? <laughs> Maybe you're a FedEx driver, no offense to you guys, I know you guys don't burn those things, but anyway, they make it down there. And it's like the, the, the guys that were running out of fuel, they had all this cargo, and they got to use it and burn it up, but they were entrusted with that cargo to be able to pa take it to another place. Like sometimes we can do that with our families if we're not carry, uh, careful about it in this life that we live. We have to make sure that we care for one another and not just throw them in as fuel in for the fire. 
and we understand that God has entrusted us with our families, and how, how many people don't reach the right destination because we don't follow God's plan. But just because being part of a family comes with challenges does not mean that we can't make adjustments and changes today because none of us are perfect, not one of us are. And the changes that we may have, uh, far, they may have far-reaching benefits as we make adjustments in our walk, in our lives. God created and He cares about family. We too need to care about family as well, whether we have a traditional or a blended or amended family, whatever our family is like. Here's the second principle that we want to look at. We're going to look at four today. We've got the first one. Now we want to hit this second one. Have honor and respect for your spouse. Before we engage in this next passage, it's going to be Ephesians chapter 5, but before we engage this, there are some things we really need to be able to consider and first is the status of wives and women in Paul's time. It was very low at that time. And so when we look back in the scripture, we need to be able to remember and understand that to see what he was saying. Uh, he was really, the apostle Paul was bringing women up in their value in the eyes of the first century world. The problem for most people today is when they read Paul, they think that he treated women poorly. But he actually was treating them much better than the cultures that he was living in at that time. So women tended to be considered as property back in that time, but Paul was raising honor for them. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 here, and go from there in just a second. But I, I think for us to understand a key point that, that Paul is making for the husband and wife, it really comes down to verse 33. So we're actually going to start at the end of this and go back to the beginning. And because of this, let's read this key verse here. Ephesians 5, 33. It says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. What a novel idea. And the wife must respect her husband. Love and respect are key elements of a marriage, and if you're married or you plan to be married, these are some of the dynamics that you need to be able to get right and work at. Now let's look into the passage here, starting in verse 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then he goes on and he writes here, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Now, some may complain right away uh, that I started with verse 21, but I think I need to uh, make some explanation here for you. Uh, because it is, it's a tw verse 21 is at the conclusion of the last section where Paul is writing there, and it is at the start of a new one. So if you look at somewhat in the NIV, it kind of just, uh, splits it up there. And so, so while grammatically it may be attached to verse 20 in the Greek, in the original, its content coincides more naturally with what follows in verse 22. So, so the wife on her part is to give uh, her husband the respect that is due him in the Lord. And verse 21 made it plain 
this respect is conditioned by reverence for Christ. But a marriage can never be effectively one-sided. Reverence and respect have the same Greek word, a root word. And Paul goes on to say here in verse 25, let's look at what he says. And I'm not going to speak on this passage all day. We probably could, and we could with all of these, but we're just going to just touch this in a little bit. Let's look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now we understand he's got an analogy going on here trying to relate a a man and wife's relationship to Christ and the church. So we understand that's going. And verse 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Interesting thought. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Now, I know this this passage here may be a little heavy because of this comparison uh, that he's using, but, but let's focus on the husband and the wife here in this scenario. Now, now, Paul turns to the responsibilities of the husband, and uh, in the Greco-Roman society that, that he is uh, living and writing to, remember, this is Ephesians, they're, that's where they're at, they're in central Turkey there approximately, but, but uh, they, they didn't see the man as having responsibilities to the wife, but they saw the wife having responsibilities to the man. So because of this, it brings up this idea now, Paul is saying, hey man, you have a responsibility to your wife. And so in this, as in other ways, Christianity introduced a revolutionary approach to marriage that really equalized the rights of wives and husbands and established the institution on a much firmer foundation than ever before. So one word summed up the role for the wife, which was to submit and she's to respect him. The one word does the same for the husband, which he is to love. And really, this is the highest and distinctively Christian word for loving. It's agape. But Paul does, uh, does go on to say in verse 33 there, he says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must, res- uh, must respect her husband, The uh, wife, for her part, is to give her husband the respect that is due him in the Lord. And as uh, as verse 21 is made plain, this kind of respect is conditioned by and expressive of reverence for Christ. So it also assumes that the husband will also love his wife as to be worthy of this kind of respect. So we have to make sure that we are worthy of that. But those who are puzzled because Paul does not tell his wife, tell the wives, not his wives, <laughs> that's not what we're saying here. Uh, <laughs> Paul, does, that Paul does not tell wives that they are to love their husbands. He doesn't say, wives, you're supposed to love your husband. Different scenario, different situation he is dealing with there. He's, he's asking them to respect them. Christ loves the church. The church's love for Christ is expressed in that turnabout of submission. 
love and respect really are key here. Love and respect, they are key. But, but let me say this simple thing when it comes to the idea of healthy and true submission. To demand submission is not to show proper love. It's not showing proper love. And so the Apostle Paul says this. Uh, he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, these powerful words. He says, this is for everybody. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Really, this passage, if we apply it in our lives as individuals and as families, it can bring healing in our families, it can bring healing in our relationships, and it, it, it can bring restoration. Let's look at the next principle we have here this morning. We've looked at a couple. Now, let's look at this one. You can't have your best family without God on the top. And that's just a reality. Usually when I sit down with a couple, if they are intending to get married, uh, one of the things I usually talk with them about is that triangle. And that triangle is this. is God at the top a point of the triangle. Then you have a man on one point, and you have women on another point of that triangle. And it's so important that in that triangle that there is all, there's no broken connections. If the, if the woman's connection to God, that relationship is broken, then you're going to have a relationship that's going to have extra problems. If you have a connection broken between that woman and that husband, then there you're going to have extra problems. If you have that man's relationship or connection with a God broken, then you're going to have issues. And that's just the reality. We have to make sure all of those lines of communication are working for us to be effective in our families. Easier said than done, isn't it? But it's something that we need to strive for in our relationships. And really, you could even take that and use that triangle for any relationship. Because we need to be able to have God in our lives to be able to live in His way. Let's look at Psalm chapter 127, verse 1, and it says this, should be on the screen. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in vain. Their, their work is in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. We know that we need God working in our lives if we're going to see change or good things come to pass in, in, a, in us. Same principle goes with the family here from uh, Psalm 127.1. If God is not at the top of our marriage or at the top of our relationships with our kids or family, one of those lines of commun communication are broken, uh, then we can't become the best family that God calls us to be. And you know, my goal here is not for you to feel like maybe something's happened in your life and, and you have some broken relationships or different things. My, my goal here is not to make you feel bad about that. Not at all. I think each and every one of us walk through those things and what we have to do is we have to learn to grow in that and then we have to learn to allow the Lord to help us. And we have to ask for His help as well. So one way to keep God at the top is to pray for, to pray with, and pray over your family. You may not have a spouse who has placed their faith in Christ yet. And to pray for them. 
Pray for your children. Pray for their schooling if they're still in school. Pray for their relationships, for their activities that they're involved in. Uh, and pray for your adult kids if you're an empty nester. Pray for them and ask the Lord to do His will in their lives. See, we need to be in prayer like that. We have some at home and we have some outside of the home. We pray for all of them and we ask God to work in their lives. So you may, you may not have a spouse who has placed their faith in Christ yet, but pray for them. Ask God to take control of your family. For a couple, really keeping God at the top includes keeping love and respect in the forefront. You may not be married, nor are you looking to be married, but you, you likely have family, you have some connection with, and you need to ask God to make that connection good. It may be a niece, a nephew, an aunt, an uncle, it could be some others, but if, they, if they're gone, it may be a friend that you view as family. It may be some friends that you have that are just like family. I have some friends like that, that, that we just see them as family. But you have to keep God at the top in your family. And then finally, this last principle, be intentional with your family. Over in the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, it says there are these words, these, command, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Sometimes it's just living life uh, in the regular course of your day that you can have an impact on your family. Whether that's your immediate family with you and kids or whether or uh, you and your parents or if it is extended family and God will open those doors up at different times to be able to engage and impact your family for Christ. uh, I'm surprised at the doors that the Lord has opened to me on occasion with some of my uh, distant relatives. Uh, some of my relation. It doesn't always happen, but when it has, I'm surprised and see how God has worked there. And maybe part of that is because they've seen some consistency in my spiritual life, and that's important for each and every one of us. And you may say, well, you know, yeah, but you're a pastor too. But I, I tell you, friends, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or if you're just a regular follower of Jesus, which is what all of us are. We all have those doors that God would open for us so that we could share Christ with them. And so those are some things that we can do. We, we want to go walk through those doors and we want to be intentional with our families. Talk about how life plays out when you're with your kids, when you're with your families. I remember when I got out of the house when I was growing up, I, I left my parents' house, and I still remember times when we would sit down at the co- uh, kitchen table, maybe have a cup of coffee or a, cu- a glass of iced tea in our hands, and we would be talking and interacting, and, and sometimes they would bring up spiritual things, sometimes I would. Sometimes we asked the hard questions, and they didn't know. And so it's just one of those things, but it's important that we are willing to engage with one another and allow the Lord to be the head of our lives and our families. We, we know that uh, the fact is, we, we, when we relate to our families, there's no perfect family out there. 
and we are going to engage them, and we are going to be an example to them, whether that example is good or bad. Hopefully, we will err on the side of being, good, uh, being on the good example for them, right? That we can be the best example that we can for them so that they can see who we really are, and they, they already know we're not perfect, right? We all can point out the idiosyncrasies of one another in our families, right? We can do that. Don't, don't do that right now. Not a good idea. <laughs> but, but we all are able to do those kind of things. And, but, but that's not what it's about. We have to be able to work with one another and be able to grow in our relationships. We need to be able to impress God's word to our kids when we need to, uh, we need to do the best to live those principles out in our lives. The last thing we need to be is to be someone who says, one thing and does another. I'm sure at times we're caught that way and we have to say step back just a little bit and say, wait, what, what did I just say or what did I just do? Because uh, we're not perfect and kids are smart, right? When they're young, they're smart. When they're older, they're smart. When they're out of school, they're smart, right? <laughs> just saying, they know they're not foolish and they know when you're bluffing them. And we have to be people who are intentional. We have to be people who are honest before our families and honest before the Lord. The time you give them, the way you pray for them, the way you discipline, and the, the focus you give them, find a way to intentionally care for your family. That may be uh, to do something small, simply like picking wildflowers with your kids and celebrating with them. How, God, how great God is in his creation, how he formed it all. Simple things. And they might, may not even know you did it. They may not even recognize that that's what you were doing. It may be as big as having a family retreat, a, a getaway together. I don't know. There's all kinds of ideas that you could come up with in trying to be intentional. There's probably some families here who have done different things to be able to impact their family. But as we wrap this up this morning... I'm not going to keep you late. Some of you are already thinking about the Patriots and Rams game, but that's later. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Rams are going to win anyway. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> There's no unction involved in that, by the way. I said this in the, in the beginning, early this morning. The choice to change the atmosphere of our family will help us to, to map a path towards thriving families. The way we do it first is by recognizing that God did create family. We have to recognize it. Secondly, if you're married, then you, then you have to honor and respect your spouse. Then you have to keep God at the top. Keep God at the top to see his best in your family's life. And we know that that first, it starts, it starts at home, right? It starts with the individual, and then it moves to the family. We have to be able to let those things rule our lives and finally, we need to be intentional with our family. Train up your kids in the way they should go. Train up your kids. We need to be able to do our best to train them up. We understand that people make a choice. When they're older, they make choices, and we can't always uh, dictate on that, can we? But we can be a godly influence to them. So this morning, as we respond to this, may say, well, how do I respond at this point? Well, first I would say you have to ask God to help me and my family. 
step into my family, whether it's extended family. You may, you may be facing challenges with your extended family. You may face challenges at home. But I'm asking you to ask God to help you apply these principles into your life. Because if you do apply them, He can change the atmosphere of your home. Nothing more important than that. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you this morning. I want to challenge you to say that prayer. To say, Lord, you know, I need your help. I need your help to work with my friends. I need your help to work with my uh, cousins, maybe. I need your help to work with my spouse. And I need your help to work with my kids. And I... Maybe your parents, maybe, you're, maybe you have aged parents and you need help, the Lord giving you direction with that. But let's pray this morning. Father, I ask you to help each and every person, Lord. Lord, here in this place, I pray that you would help them, Lord, as they recognize that, Lord, that you are able to help and you are able to provide us with what we need, the tools that we need to become successful in our families. Father, I pray that you would be Lord over my family. I pray that, Lord, that you would be Lord over each family represented here in this place. And Father God, we ask you just to guide us in our relationships, our relationship with you, and our relationship with others.